Welcome to the Brain People Podcast, a show where four mental health experts team up to bring you practical tools for overcoming mental health challenges. The Brain People don't replace your doctor or therapist, but we will give you some extra tools to help you on your journey. So join us as we fight mental illness, one episode at a time. Welcome to the Brain People Podcast. My name is Jonathan Edens. I am one of your co-hosts. And today we are met with a very special guest, uh, Mariola Porras. She has been with us before. Some of you may recall some of those episodes in which she she has given us very valuable insight. Today we will be discussing burnout specifically uh, in a corporate context. And the reason reason why we brought Mariola on to speak about this is because she she actually worked uh, uh, in a global marketing firm for over 15 years. Um, and during that time, she kind of lost some of her health due to burnout. And um, and she was able to uh, learn some crucial lifestyle interventions to help her deal with that. So with that being said, welcome to the podcast today, Mariola. Thank you. Glad to be back. Yes, it's excellent to have you back. Mariola, why don't you just give us a little bit about, um, you know, why... Uh, aside from what I just said, um, I know you've got you know uh, uh, kind of a specific role that you play here at Beautiful Minds. Uh, you are a life and health coach, and so why don't you tell us a little bit about that um, and how your kind of your story of burnout sort of led to what you're doing today for us? Yeah, sure. Well, as you said, I have I had a, a marketing career in global companies for over 15 years, and as a result of not really taking care of my health and living a balanced work life um, lifestyle, um, it really led to breakdown at all levels, physically, mentally, socially, and morally to a point that I had no hope of a future. And that led me to have to quit my career and really take care of my health, but really addressing it at the root, which is now what brought me to this new purpose of really sharing this hope with others, dedicating myself to do this full-time as a life and health coach. I work with stressed professionals that struggle with burnout by sharing that it is possible to to heal through natural and holistic methods. So let's uh, let's define our terms and then we'll jump into your story. But can you give us kind of a brief explanation for what, what burnout actually is? Yeah, actually burnout has been known as a state of vital exhaustion. But recently the World Health Organization has redefined the term given that it's growing more and more in terms of the concern medically and, and um, you know, in the health field. So now the new definition, actually it became effective as this year, 2022. They define it as a syndrome conceptualized as resulting in chronic work, workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. So when we talk about a syndrome, it, talk, it really refers to a collection of signs and symptoms associated with a specific health-related cause. So that's okay. what burnout really means. I'm I'm kind of curious. I, I'm somewhat surprised that they they say work related specifically. I mean, do you think that there could be a, a little bit more of a comprehensive definition that includes non work related burnout? Yeah, actually, it, what I've learned is that there's also academic burnout for you know college students and, and schools for the younger population, and it really started in 1970s related to people that work in the medical field, like nurses and doctors. But now they started to see that it's also present with entrepreneurs, you know, people that are starting up their own companies, lawyers, um, and beyond the just medical, but 
all along across the board with just places where we work and were demanded uh, with results and also in terms of belonging to a culture uh, that has uh, personal interactions. So I'm, I, I'm even thinking of uh, like parents, right? So, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of stress associated with being a mother or father and, uh, you know, I've had many mothers that don't necessarily have a, a nine to five job per se, but do seem to be experiencing that, that burnout as well as a result of, of, of all the responsibilities that, that they have for that role. So while it's not like traditional work, right, it is obviously work in and of itself. And so, um, uh, you know, isn't a, maybe an important kind of group to, to recognize as well. Absolutely. Um, so let's, uh, how, how serious is burnout and why are we really discussing that today? Well, burnout has been always, a, a you know, a, a state, a state of mind. And also, um, it's not only psychological, but it's physiological, what they found. I believe that after COVID, the numbers have skyrocketed a lot more. Mm. Before COVID, the last time I checked the numbers, um, surveys would report that people around 60, 40% of the people in the workplace would identify with burnout symptoms. But now it's gotten up to 70s, up to 80s. And okay. this is what's really drawn attention to just the World Health Organization to redefine the term and really even DSM, you know, how they include different mental health diagnoses. They're considering to add this because they're starting to see that burnout can also lead to premature death and sure. other health conditions. So it is really it's really um, growing a substantially, especially after COVID that we, you know, we were very isolated. People had to go back to their homes and work from their homes. So a lot of the load started multiplying and that has led into mental and, and physical breakdown. Well, I don't know if you know this, but while burnout is not technically in the DSM, it is actually in the ICD-10. So, you know, I can, I can use the medical coding and I can include bur burnout in a patient's chart. So it is being recognized to some extent as having, you know, medical roots. Um, but, you know, as far as the, the DSM goes, they have not included it yet. Um, so one, one more question for you, and then we'll, we'll jump to kind of your story. But uh, you kind of touched, briefly touched on this, but what are some of the main causes of burnout? Yeah, well, there is recognized there's six causes, um, high workload, low value, low decision making, no support or limited support lack of rewards, and lack of control. Now, the way I've seen this in my own experience, and I would just summarize it in four main things that really lead to a, a dysregulation of our system, which is one, perceived stress, the way we look at, at stress, right? Just by looking at stress negatively, it has an impact on our health a lot more than those that have a lot of stress and don't perceive it as negative. The second one would be inflammation. Everything that inflames our body and mind also has an effect in our nervous system that leads to this flight or flight chronic state leads really to, to freeze mode. And that is synonym of burnout. The third one is blood sugar imbalances, really not being able to to how our nutrients uh, balanced in our body, because since we're um, running and, you know, being burnt out, you demand a lot more of fuel. So not having a balanced diet is also a big cause. And the last and not less important is this balanced um, sleep-wake cycle. So not being able to sleep or rest. Well. Those are the four main causes that I've experienced to be very prominent when we talk about burnout. 
So let's um, we'll, we'll come uh, come back to some of the things that we can do uh, to to help with burnout. But first, I, I would love to hear you know some of your story because I know you you mentioned right you you did the fifteen years in global marketing, and I'm guessing you well. Let me ask you during that time frame, um, you know, when do when do you recall? Uh, or I should say now at this point, now that you have sort of this hindsight, when do you, when did you think that you started dealing with burnout uh, in that corporate space? You know, this is the the part where, you know, I'm really happy that we're talking about this because many times we struggle with burnout without really knowing we have it. Sure. It just doesn't happen over time. Gradually, we start deteriorating. There's actually six different stages of burnout, right? It starts at the honeymoon phase when we're very effective and driven, right? But that leads to um, balancing out chronic symptoms, crisis stage to the point, point of enmeshment. Actually, those are five different stages. And enmeshment is when we're not even aware that we have it. In my mm-hmm. case... You know, it got to the point where physically I was um, really tired and I would recur to things like caffeine and sugar to get those um, boosts of energy, right? And it started affecting my my sleep cycles. I couldn't sleep. I would struggle with insomnia. Um, and it's like adding layers, right, to the point where I couldn't even speak right. I had a lot of fatigue, couldn't even keep track of my thoughts, my line of thoughts, um, even articulating a thought was hard for me. Um, And that's when I started really seeing the breakdown to the point that I couldn't continue working because I was not efficient at all. I was really forgetting things. I was not concentrating. So it started manifesting in many different ways. Another thing, I was very negative about work, things that I would really like doing. I started really running away from that and avoiding that. I was very pessimistic. I lost my sense of humor. So a lot of these things started happening to the point where my whole body just crashed and I just couldn't get out of bed. Sure. So for, for many people there, uh, that are listening to this, they're probably going to recognize, um, you know, I know we went through the stages, uh, fairly quickly, right. But, but many of them, if, if they could have a certain degree of self-awareness, they might recognize that they're falling into one of those stages. Could you kind of walk us through, um, those stages again, but using your own experience? Yeah, do you think sure. you'd be able to do that and just maybe give like a kind of a brief, a brief sort of story, if you will, a brief narrative about, you know, uh, what you recall and when you think you were going through those stages and what, what you were experiencing. Yeah, I think I started experiencing burnout in the last five years. I was working for 15, but the last five years is what I can recall more. Um, so, you know, at the very beginning, when you're in the initial states, you're very driven, you're actually achieving your your goals. So those, those pieces seem to be like something that even companies reward, right? Because you're very effective, you're driven, you're overachieving. So who doesn't want to have a worker like that? Mm -hmm. Um, But at what cost, right? So it really started with the chronic symptoms, you know, how we are in fight or flight that gives us adrenaline, like that cortisol, which is stress hormones is driving us to be more effective. What happens when we're we're in that stage where it's, we're more effective in all levels, right? We have this extra boost of energy. But the problem is when we stay there and that leads to exhaustion. And how did it start manifesting? I had difficulty learning and retaining what I was learning and yeah. applying it. I had, um, I started procrastinating, you know, a lot of the, the things that I would be efficient, I started leaving them on this side. I remember that being a factor. 
um, any little thing that I would add on my plate, it would feel, you know, bigger than what it really was. Um, a lot of my sleep hygiene started being affected, as I mentioned. Self-doubt. I remember I was very disorganized. I'm very structured, but there I was just doubting myself, very disorganized. So I started feeling like I was not being able to keep up with what I was asked for. Um, and I remember that when I started seeing this affecting my relationships and also my deliverables, you know, how in companies they they measure your goals. When I started seeing that I was not being able to deliver, that's when it hit me. And I said, oh, my goodness, I am struggling with burnout. But actually, that came after physically I was no longer able to show up. That's when I was like, wow, there's something wrong. And, you know, in my case, it's being manifested gastrically. I had a lot of digestive problems. And I think it was because I was coping with, you know, food and caffeine and all these things. But I also um, was not absorbing. So there's an intimate connection between the brain and the and the gut. And I started seeing it physically there. And then I started learning how that connects to the brain. And the more educated I got about the topic, I really identified, okay, I qualify as a burnout, you know, professional. Okay. Um, any, any other things you would like to add, you know, as you were kind of, um, recognizing and experiencing burnout and then we'll, we'll shift gears into, you know, once you sort of recognize it for what it was, what you started doing after that. For now, I think those are the ones I can recall. Yeah. Okay. Were there, well, let me ask you this. Were there any uh, aspects, and I'm not asking you to um, you know, give us specifics about your company or whatnot, but any aspects of the dynamic of work, things that you recall um, contributing to the burnout? Yeah, I think that um, definitely not having clear communication of the expectations was a big one. You know, many times we we feel hesitant to say this is a lot i'm not going to be able to to do this for my capacity because that would impact us in terms of being promoted so i think there was not a safe space for us to really assess the workload versus what we can do Mm -hmm. or i could personally achieve um so the lack of communication was a big one um not having enough breaks i think that you know companies now that they're starting to see the the importance of this, we should create more mental health days, um, PTO, which is a personal time off, really embrace this because when we take rests, companies sometimes see it as a hit on time, like, oh my goodness, you're going to work less hours. We're going to lose money out of that. But actually that's an investment for employees to feel a lot more committed to their work and also to perform better. So I think those would be the things that I was lacking that I would, you know, for those listeners that do have that position in, in leadership to really promote that because it is, it does make a difference. So, um, I know we, we, we talked about the stages, we talked about some of the most common, common symptoms, um, you know, and, and you also mentioned, you know, some of the ways leaders can help reduce burnout. So specifically, um, just making it, a, it sounds like making it a priority, recognizing that, you know, your, uh, you know, your expectations from a financial perspective or a productivity perspective may be push, pushing some of your workers um, into a state state in which they cannot maintain for extended periods of time, right? There are definitely, you know, certain industries, um, most industries are going to have like an ebb and flow, right? Where there's a sort of seasonality 
um, to like a much more intense work at uh, much more intense um, expectations that are that are required of and and many people are able to endure that but usually there is you know there's a there's a, a season in which things do calm down and people can kind of recuperate but a lot of these industries have turned into this go 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 nonstop right and uh, and so that high level of stress for long periods of time it's not just I mean, it, we're not saying that it's all the companies, the court, you know, the corporations' fault, right? You know, a big part right. of this is going to be the the things that you tell yourself, right? And so we'll right. we'll get into that in a second. Um, but can you tell us a little bit how you kind of came back from burnout? Like, what were the sort of incremental um, steps that you started taking uh, to help you during that recovery phase? Yeah, definitely. Well, first is acknowledging that I had that I had this um, need, right? Like really acknowledging, okay, I have burnout. What can I do about it? Then second, recognizing my symptoms and mm-hmm. the signs that would indicate that I needed help in different areas of my life. This is why I was talking about the four different causes. You know, the World Health Organization, they list three main causes, which are increased exhaustion. That's extreme fatigue, right? The second one is increased distance between our, like depersonalization between my perspective and reality. So being disconnected okay. is a second main um, cause. And the third one is decrease in productivity. So I think that understanding those three main categories and see how they flesh out in our own life through our lifestyle, like if it's manifested in sleep hygiene, or if it's manifested in the way I'm perceiving or communicating with others, you know, interpersonal relationships have a lot to do with um, how we come back from this, right? Um, so definitely acknowledging the symptoms or acknowledging that I needed help Two, understanding my symptoms and three, understanding my capacity. So I would definitely, and I, and this is something that I strongly recommend is to seek help, talk to a counselor, talk to a coach or someone that can help you navigate through strategies to come back from um, that state of burnout. Now the strategy will depend on the person, but that's where, um, we as, as beautiful minds, we promote lifestyle. It's a lot rooted in the way we live, right? Um, what we do and what we don't do, what we put in our bodies um, and how we process whatever it is that we're carrying along. So you've mentioned, uh, you mentioned lifestyle interventions as being a big part of this. Um, also yes. working with a counselor, which, you know, generally is going to, um, incorporate more of a sort of a, a cognitive psychotherapeutic aspect to overcoming the burnout. Can you give us, um, maybe some specific things that you recall having incorporated into your life from these different categories that, uh, helped you on that road to recovery? Absolutely. Um, well, connection was important because we tend to isolate when we're burnt out and we don't want to be seen as um, less effective, right? So yes. definitely seeking to talk about it with people that we trust. That really helped me. And it also helped me gain awareness that there is actually a condition <laughs> yeah. called burnout, right? And there are different strategies. Um, for me, what it really helped was um, Combining the psychological piece, like really understanding myself, knowing my limits, learning how to say no, right? So that really helped me and the way I was perceiving things. So you can change your life just by the way you change how you see things, right? So cognitive behavioral therapy really made it for me in that sense. 
Um, and also in terms of lifestyle changes, I started by, you know, how they tell you that for you to be healthier, you need to do exercise and all that. But when you're burnt out, exercise is very delicate. We shouldn't be sure. running, you know, because we're already very low on energy. So exercise for me was walks out in nature, deep breathing. Mm-hmm. stretching, right? Going for a massage was part of my self-care. But the number one was really giving myself permission to rest. Because when we rest, we can see things more clearly. And then we start defining, oh, okay, this is what I need to do to increase my my supply of how I'm eating, right? Or how I'm sleeping. But definitely connecting with people as number one and two resting and really find that type of exercise, that type of diet that will help you get back on track. So what qualifies as good rest? Uh, Cause you know, a lot, a lot of people, when they think of a resting or relaxing activity, they're thinking, you know, lounging around on lounging around on the couch, watching Netflix, scrolling their phone, right. Doing, doing these types of activities. So, you know, can you, can you kind of specify for us what, what might be um, a, like a good restful activity that actually is going to help you recover versus one that's not? Yeah, definitely. Well, rest, there's different kinds and it depends on the person. What I find restful, you may find it different, but sure. definitely things that will um, recharge you. So things like going out in nature, right? Like active rest, but also restorative And Mm. we are built with different internal clocks, right? So we are made to sleep in the night and to be active in the day. So really following nature, like early to bed, early to rise, those are are good ways to start. We we sleep, you know, our melatonin, which you are very well familiarized with this. This is the hormone that really helps us sleep well. So that is produced in the dark, right? When the sun goes down. And cortisol, which is the hormone that gives us the energy, that should be at its higher peak in the morning. So what we want to do is really imitate nature. So not being exposed to light, for example, in the evenings will help us like screen, screen time, things like that, um, very close to bed, that will help us to produce the melatonin, for example. So Following these internal cycles, we actually have a sleep hygiene sheet on our website um, and you can always reach out for us and I can, I can share it to you with, with whoever is listening. But um, there are some tips there, definitely following nature, going outside, um, taking one day a week off has been proven that really helps us. I remember that I would work 24-7, but really taking that one day off made me a, a lot more effective. So sure. sleep time. Um, taking breaks every couple hours during work and do things that really recreate you, things that you enjoy, that that would be rest as well. Taking your mind off of the to-dos and choosing to do things that add value in your life. So Mariola, could you uh, give us what your definition of um, activities that would actually be restful would be? Yeah, well, rest can mean many different things for many People, But I would just say that rest is important at the different levels of our health. So physical rest, really taking a day off the week really made it for me. Um, Taking breaks also in my work space. Every couple hours, I would do something that would help me boost my energy again. Um, There's also mental rest, right? Like what can we do to step away from all those mental demands that we have, even from our thoughts? Um, social rest, really um, recreating ourselves with others, 
people that we love that increase that um, joy in our life. Spiritual rest is also a form of, of rest, like trusting and hoping and not wanting to control everything, right? That's a way of resting. Sure. But there's also creative rest, things that um, just the appreciation of beauty around us, like going out in nature on hikes, for example, that was very important. And now it's a, a topic of study, right? This concept of forest bathing, where we go out and, and there's a lot of healing when we Mm -hmm. spend time on nature. So those were, were the big ones for me as I looked into balancing my, my health as I started learning to recover. And again, you recover from burnout. It can take up to years. So it is important to sure. gradually take one thing at a time. So taking, uh, you know, taking breaks, you know, as she, as she defined is incredibly important. And the things that you do during those breaks are going, going to sort of make or break how resting and recovering and rejuvenating an activity actually is going to be. Um, I know you, you've mentioned circadian rhythms. Um, I'm guessing you probably heard of ultradian rhythms. Um, maybe, maybe not, it's not as commonly discussed. Um, but there's, you know, our, our, we have various biological clocks and the ultradian rhythms are on this, um, roughly 90 minutes an interval. And so that's kind of another, another way to sort of think about the, you know, work on versus work off mode. Um, there's something called the Pomodoro technique. Maybe you've heard of that before. Um, essentially where you use like a timer and you take uh, a certain amount of time where you're working and you're focused, and then you take a certain amount of time off. And so for, in my own personal life, I find that that roughly 90 minutes of work is, is typically what's a good amount for me. And then taking, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes off um, to recover from that 90 minutes of intense focus before I come back. And one thing that I actually, one, one person that I was listening to that defined it, I think in a, in a, in a, in a way that's been applicable and um, sort of easily defined is when you take rest, you want to broaden, or when you're taking a break, you want to broaden your focus. Uh, and so, you know, the, the temptation for many people is say they're working on their computer and they're doing a particular task. Um, they might then, in order to rest, pull out their phone and, and, you know, scroll social media, right? You're narrowing your focus in that particular point in time. And so it's not a restful activity, but when you go outside and you go out in nature, right, you're broadening, you're broadening your focus. Um, and you're not specifically narrowing it down to something else, right? And so when you do that, it's very restful to the brain and then it's going to allow it to recover a little bit better. That's great. Uh, that's yeah, I thought I thought it was an, a very interesting way of kind of defining like these things in a, in a simplistic way. And so if, um, you know, pretty much everything that you def, def, uh, described is going to fall into that category of broadening, right, your your focus. Um, and so so when whether it's engaging like with people in sort of a social setting or if it's uh, maybe praying or if it's going outside and just looking at nature, right? All of these things are, are going to broaden your focus, um, you know, relative to maybe what you were doing previously. Um, so what are some, uh, any other, well, any other tips and tools that you would suggest uh, to help you uh, combat burnout? I know you did mention diet. You haven't really discussed that in, in detail, but anything that you would add to that? Well, so diet in particularly is, you know, many times when we're overworked, we forget to eat. And this is where our body starts, um, the, you know, it's trying to compensate the lack of nutrients. So definitely having, speaking of rest, right? Giving our bodies or reading, or how do you say, responding back to the clocks that we have, making sure, sure we're eating and also having nutrient dense food. So try to stay away from process because usually what we crave when we're, 
on, on stress, it's the salty and the processed and the sugar products, right? So really make sure that you supplement your body well with um, a balanced diet and low inflammation as well. So yeah. that would be the colors of the rainbow. <laughs> but what would I say in just in closing is that burnout is reversible, but action is very important before it becomes chronic. And I would just invite, you know, when we talk about action and you're burnt out, you're like, that's extra work. I don't want to do that because we're very fatigued. But I would really encourage the audience to start now and start small. Just one thing we can do and commit to every day as we deposit. It's like making deposits, like watering the plant. What deposit can we commit to into our health that will help us get back into um, recovery? Yeah. Um, one thing I will just add, uh, is that burnout and depression can look very similar and have lot, lots of, um, you know, lots of similarities between them. And so as a result, you know, a lot of the treatment for both of those is going to be somewhat similar. And so, you know, many people, you might be like, not necessarily know, right. Know how to distinguish between whether or not this is a major depressive episode or whether this is the result of burnout or whether this is major depression as a result of burnout. Um, and, and you know, many of you listening may need that professional help and, you know, I would implore you, you know, do not be hesitant to, to seek that out. Uh, if, it, if this is negatively affecting your life, and it's something that you can't do on your own. And that's okay. It's, it's perfectly reasonable and perfectly okay if you cannot do it on your own. Um, you know, that's why you know, we exist, right? Many people, um, they end up, you know, because of their ego um, or, you know, some other reason, right? They're not necessarily willing to seek out that help and they just sort of keep digging themselves into a deeper and deeper and deeper hole. And I'm sure you would agree with this, Mariola, like the, the sooner you catch this and the sooner you try to address it, the easier it's going to be for you to be able to make that recovery back to the life that you want to live. Absolutely. And as we do that, we're also helping others to do the same because it's amazing, but many more people than what we think are struggling with this. And as we are advocating for that change in our own lives, we can also help it, the lives of many more. So thank you. Absolutely. So if you only take away one thing from today's show, remember this, if mental illness is a whole person problem, then it must have a whole person solution. I'm Jonathan Eans. And I'm Mariola Porras. And you've been listening to The Brain People Podcast. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes, find us on social media, or support us financially, visit thebrainpeoplepodcast.com. 